and welcome to Fulcrum Transmissions, a Star Wars podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. Episodes will typically be uploaded every Monday, and any changes to that schedule will be posted on our Twitter and TikTok at Fulcrum Pod and on Instagram at Fulcrum Podcast. Be sure to follow us on any of those for previews and information about upcoming episodes. Hi, my name is Sage. I use she, they pronouns, and you can find me on TikTok and on Twitter at Sage Sindula. Hi, my name is Claire, and my pronouns are she, her. You can find me on TikTok at Claire Kenobi and on Twitter at Corky Kenobi. My name is Ollie. I use any pronouns. You can find me on social media at Ollie Fresh. It's Fresh with the PH, and I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everywhere. Um, and I'm also a co-host of um, the podcast Rue Palps Pod Race. You can find that on any streaming service that you get your podcasts on, as well as on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and TikTok at Rupalps Pod Race. Yeah, check that out. But I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you on. We are also <laughs> huge fans of Rupalps Pod Race. So <laughs> I'm so honored. It's just, I mean, just as a soft pitch for those of you who have not checked out Rupalps Pod Race yet, it is just five gay people being the most annoying versions of ourselves while we talk about Star Wars. So it's always nice to hear that people like it because as soon as we stop recording I'm like dang I'm the biggest idiot alive <laughs> so it's, it's exciting to hear that it's paying off but, but yeah I'm like when you asked me to be on this on Fulcrum Transmissions I've been a I've been a fan since the beginning um when you asked me to be on I answered so fast so you just like so do you want to be on an episode and I was like yes yes a hundred <laughs> times like you don't like I was afraid they were gonna like retract the offer <laughs> <laughs> No, I, so a few weeks ago, I was like, oh, you know what? We're going to, let's do girl boss of the week. Cause there's like nothing coming out, um, like for a while. Um, and Claire was like, yeah, like, let's do that. And I was like, oh, Claire, like, who do you want to talk about? And of course, of course, Claire said, well, I have to talk about my girl, my woman, Bo-Katan Kreese. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I love Bo-Katan. You know, Ollie is also kind of a Bo-Katan apologist. We should ask them to be on the pod. You know, it's <laughs> so... That's how it, this came to be. <laughs> it's so funny because I was like, they're the two people that I know the most on micro-influencers, Star Wars, TikTok, and Twitter, who are <laughs> probably the most in love with Bo-Katan are both here this evening, being me and Claire, because I... Does she mess up? Yes, but she's also pretty, so it doesn't matter. I'm oh, glad we're all on the same page. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's a joke, but it's also not a joke. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting into it, welcome to Girl Boss of the Week, our new series on Fulcrum Transmissions. Um, our first episode is uh, going to be about Bo-Katan Kreese, obviously. Um, I'm thinking we're just going to go chrono- chronologically through her her life a bit uh and you know add in some of our opinions here and there and I'm sure we're gonna get super off track because that is usually what happens here (laughs) so first time we see her is in the Clone Wars obviously um and it's I believe it's a friend in need I don't think we see her before that um which is a fun little episode where Lux Bonteri hmm many thoughts about him but we're not going to talk about him um Basically, he teams up with Death Watch, thinking that that's going to be a good idea. And at this point, Bo-Katan is a member of Death Watch, which is a group of Mandalorians who are like, oh, we want to get back to like our warrior ways. And they disagree with the fact that 
Satine as the Duchess is trying to pursue like more pacifist ideals. Um, and their goal at this time, and the reason why Lux joins up with them, is that they want to take out Dooku because they were betrayed by him and the Separatists. Um, and so one of the main things about Death Watch here and by extension Bo-Katan is that they're very like anti-Jedi, anti-Force users. Um, and they want to like take back Mandalore, so to speak, and like return to their more traditional like warrior ways. And I think that Mandalorians should be like fearsome warriors. Yeah, that's about it about them that we learn at least at that point. I have so many thoughts regarding one Bo-Katan craze. <laughs> But that's why I'm here, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but um, I think something that's very interesting to me about Bo-Katan and about the Mandalorians, and I'll get on my little Mandalorian soapbox here um, and then try to limit it through the rest of the episode because I will become extremely annoying. Um, but something that I think is funny is people a lot of the times will point to this episode um, and be like, look, Satine's a bad person because she tried to do blah 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 and she tried to take away their culture and I'm like hey have you guys watched this episode because like maybe Satine was onto something because these guys they're they're pretty messed up like the point of a lot of the stuff with Mandalore was that the warrior culture was tearing the planet apart and it was literally like unlivable outside of the major cities so I just I think a lot of people like to look and be like oh look but like Satine Kree's and like the new Mandalorians are so bad, but you get episodes like this and it's like, actually, no, I get their point. But what I also really like about Bo-Katan specifically in this episode is that she's just kind of there. Like she's not really doing that much. Like she's, she's doing her job, but I love the idea that she sees this guy and he's like, I want to help kill Dooku. And she's like, okay, I have no vested interest in you as a person. Let's, let's get things moving. I do also love that Bo-Katan is just there and she's like not even named in this episode she's she's just she's just a little guy um except she does um have a have a very nice fight scene with Ahsoka Tano she has a lot of moments with Ahsoka Tano actually um she this is the episode where she does slap Ahsoka across the ass um it is absolutely that episode she says something also just so gross and I'm like girl I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that yeah, out of my respect this is why for I you. don't watch this episode very often yes. one because I just can't stand Lux Bonteri but I'm also like mm, this is not your another, finest moment <laughs> this is my long stretch of I think something that you have to do as a Star Wars fan is believe in a little bit of revisionist history and one thing that I believe in is that that part of this episode simply did not happen because I I think also like this is not necessarily the case in this episode but there are a lot of times in Star Wars where it's like oh they're doing something really interesting and then something is so clearly like a bad writing choice so it's like I'm just gonna kind of pretend that didn't happen because it is so off with like an interpretation of a character because like there's there's so many times where I'm like I just I'm just going to pretend that that didn't happen. And this is one of those times. So I'm like, I, I can't. She's, listen, she's a girl boss and she respects women. Maybe this is like her, this is her like internalized misogyny arc. So true, actually. <laughs> this is, the, yeah, this is her when she, her, this is her anti-SJW arc. 
Mm-hmm. And then she gets mm-hmm. over it. I love that for her. I think with this with this episode um, and like, you know, meeting her first, we don't get a lot about her. Um, but then, you know, it kind of, it. I like how they set it up to be this like, wow, this is this Mandalorian chick who you like are really going to hate. And, you know, she's set up for you to not like. And that's obviously the point. Um, and then, you know, we we get a reveal in like the next arc that she is in, that she is, in fact, Satine's sister. Um, Satine, who, you know, is the ruler of Mandalore. Um, I think that they that was a good choice. I think that was a good choice because that is just such a, you know, she is the complete opposite to Satine. Um, and a lot of her arc uh, in like throughout the entire Star War is like her finding this like part of herself that she wants to be a ruler sometimes, but she wants to do it in a certain way. And she doesn't really like to um, listen when other people like have ideas you know and then she has a very strict way of like doing things and she's trying to like unlearn a lot of it throughout her arc and you know she doesn't a lot a lot of times you're kind of like girly like what are you doing (laughs) this is not this is not the way um but you know we 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 love her anyways um, she's learning slowly. It takes time for some people to learn. We can't all be great, right? I really think you sound like me right now, which is really funny to me. Because <laughs> I'm like, guys, like, come on, she's learning. She's great. Um, but yeah, I do think that like she definitely, like you said, is set up to be someone you do not like. Um, but then once you get to know more about her, like in like the Lawless arc and the Siege of Mandalore arc, she's actually a very interesting character. Um, but I feel like some people like just never kind of get past the fact that they're like, oh, she started out terrible and she was part of this group that was not great. And so they just kind of like never let go of that. But I think that like, especially moving forward in like the end of Clone Wars and Rebels, she actually has a lot of depth to her character and like a lot of really interesting development from where she started versus where we see her now. Um, And I think that a lot of people just overlook that and sort of only see her character at like face value, um, which sucks because you're missing out on a very interesting character. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's also a lot of that. um, I, I think there are a lot of times where people don't want to examine past the surface level and sort of engage in comprehensive and critical thinking when it comes to characters like this. And I kind of get it. Like, I get it sometimes. Like, sometimes you don't watch something so that you can have a philosophical thought about it. But I think the nature of Star Wars, and especially with stuff on Mandalore, so much of it is that at its core. So you can't simplify it, Um, which I think is why there's so much discourse around, like, Bo-Katan and Satine and Mandalorians and all that. Um, But something about Bo-Katan, too, is that she is not doing the right thing and that's okay I mean it's not but it's okay because she's doing the wrong thing but then when her ass gets put to the fire she's like oh actually maybe I was wrong and it sucks that it took Maul being the leader of Mandalore for her to realize that but it's also a really interesting beat in that she's like and I think a lot of people look at that too and they're like oh well look she's like 
the only reason that she turned is because it's an outsider. I don't think that it's because it was an outside, like because Maul was an outsider. So suddenly she's suddenly she's like, oh, I'm xenophobic. Like, I don't think it was that. I think it's that she suddenly was like, oh, this plan we have where Previsla is going to take over is not going to work. Like this plan and or like me double crossing, like it's not going to work. What I have planned out is totally wrong. And when that kind of stuff happens, you suddenly are like, I have to reevaluate what I am doing. And I think that was the moment for Bo-Katan when she was like, oh, maybe I was being kind of a dingus and I need to get my shit together. I think like, like one of the things that goes along with that, which is like probably one of the most consistent aspects of her character in every appearance is that she just cares about her people. Like the things that she does, even the things that are like not great early on, she's doing them because she's like, I think that this is the best course of action for Mandalorians. And she's like learning along the way what that actually means and like what it means to like care about your home world and like your people so much. Um, and through that, learning how to like be a good leader of her people because she leads the Mandalorians multiple times. And even like when she's not like the rule, like the leader of all of Mandalore, but is just leading like respective groups of Mandalorians that she's in, like she, her thing is to lead and to look out for her people. Um, and I think that a lot of people kind of lose sight of that because she has done some not so great things, but really like the core of her character, especially when we see her later on, is that she just wants to do what's best for her planet and for the other Mandalorians. Um, and I think that it's really cool that that's like the basis of like who she is and all of her goals, even though like her goals change over time, that's always like the core aspect of like why she wants to do those things. And I think the other thing too is that like she acknowledges that what she did when she was with Beth Watch was wrong like multiple times and like her entire plot in Rebels is her being like yeah I was kind of a dum-dum and this is kind of my fault so let's let's figure it out and like when I guess we're kind of jumping ahead <laughs> sorry but when Sabine is like oh you should lead us Bogotan's like I know I am going to mess it up and I have messed up in the past Uh uh-uh and it takes the urging of literally like all of the clans to be like please for her to finally (laughs) accept that responsibility so it's just it's it's something too as people like I think something that is important is showing a character put the work into redemption and put the work into becoming better because that is a pet peeve of mine and I know a lot of people is being like oh actually they're good now but I feel like comparative to like how much her character is in the show and how important she is to the plot she's done a pretty solid amount of like I was so wrong and I'm trying to be better now so like no there's not like an entire season about it but she's also like not the main character in anything she's been in so I feel like she's done a respectively really important journey yeah I definitely agree I think also (laughs) um I kind of wanted to talk about the the impact that like Satine's death had on her. Um, I think that also is uh, an integral part to her realizing that she was wrong and realizing that like like what ruling is and what Mandalore is supposed to be. Because, you know, she has this, this is a lot of like, a lot of the Mandalorian discourse right now even, is that what is a Mandalorian? Like what, what is that supposed to mean? Um, 
and you know she in the beginning of her story is like oh I Mandal being a Mandalorian is fighting uh this is my culture and all of this which was and she thought you know oh my sister is taking that away from me you know she's taking that away from all of us she sent us to this moon and we're not allowed to be Mandalorians um which you know isn't necessarily true like that was uh, obviously it's much more nuanced than that but from Bo-Katan's perspective that's what happened and she fails to understand Satine's um ideas and Satine's rule because she loves war and she she's good at it and she even says in the Siege of Mandalore when she's talking to Ahsoka she's like war is literally the only thing I'm good at um and that's just kind of how she grew up when she was in Death Watch. Uh, but I think that through Satine's death, she was kind of like, oh, wait, maybe my sister had a point, actually, because there was no reason for Satine to die. You know, it was like, obviously, there's a narrative reason. But for to, to Bo-Katan, it was why why would my sister have to die in order for this? Like, why would Maul kill her? You know, like. There's this quote that I wanted to share from um, the Clone Wars anthology, the stories of light and dark. Um, there's a story in it um, that's about the lawless arc, actually. Uh, it's through Obi-Wan's perspective, uh, and it's really sad. <laughs> but there's um, th when after Satine dies um, and he, Bo he as an Obi-Wan is with uh, Bo-Katan, and they're escaping, um, she's helping him out. And this is when, you know, she's like, go tell the Republic what happened. And Obi-Wan's like, okay, but like, they're gonna like launch a war then, like Mandalore will become part of the war. And then, oh my God, so upsetting. <laughs> he says, Obi-Wan says, bringing war to Mandalore is not what the Duchess would have wanted. And then Bo-Katan responds with, Satine wanted peace. She wanted to stay out of this war, but she was not a fool. The war has come, and if she was still here, she would do anything to protect her world. I understand that now. And you know what? <laughs> that line? No. Literally. I was like, oh my God. Because that's just... Ugh. Anyways. The next time we see her is in the Siege of Mandalore. But the time after that is when, you know, she is with um, Sabine and Sabine is like, please lead our people, you know? And um, Bo-Katan says, I had my chance to rule and I failed. Uh, and then she says, I am not my sister. And I think that um, one, I'm really sad. Uh, two, I think that, you know, where Bo-Katan failed in, in the Clone Wars during this time that she was with Death Watch, she failed to realize that and, and let go of her possessiveness over this idea of what being Mandalorian was. Um, and she wouldn't allow Satine's view, who Satine is also a Mandalorian, but, you know, she was like, no, like, that's not how we do things. And she failed to understand that maybe there's multiple ways to be Mandalorian. And maybe fighting and causing war and literally destroying ourselves is not one of those things. And then in the process of not being able to do realize this, Bo-Katan ends up destroying her world even more. I just think it's really interesting when characters 
are just they're just trying to win and they're really just losing um but Bo doesn't even realize that until it's too late I think that's like a really good sort of analysis it's almost okay you know what she's kind of giving right now to me is like she is very much like parallel like it's a parallel to Vader because here's the thing follow me stay with me <laughs> I'm go looking on, at Claire's no. face right now and Claire's like no what? go on go on this journey <laughs> like, I'm gonna I'm gonna hear it <laughs> no go on this journey with me because it's not gonna end how you think okay it's more of a parallel to Anakin um maybe in that sense but I'm not so sorry I'm not a part of the crew that's like they were different people that's like oh no Slim Shady's not Eminem it's different no True. like I think um what's interesting is Anakin and Bo-Katan both have this very like they have their sense of morals, which is not necessarily in line with what is the sense of morals of like the world as a whole. And I think both of them are very strong at their beliefs. And you see like Bo-Katan has this issue with like the new Mandalorians and with Satine, whereas Anakin has this issue with like um, the Jedi Council. And in this situation, the parallels are like Satine and Obi-Wan, like Satine is to Bo-Katan as Obi-Wan is to Anakin. But I think the main difference is that when Obi-Wan or when Anakin is like finally puts his ass to the fire and is like, I need to do something about my convictions, he chooses to stay on the side of Palpatine and on the side of the Sith, given he was groomed and there's all that other stuff, but this is not about him. <laughs> Whereas Bo-Katan, when she is finally like confronted with this situation in which she has to challenge her beliefs about the system, she goes the other way. And it's like, oh, my beliefs are kind of wrong. So whereas Anakin turns and becomes Vader, Bo-Katan does not. And she says where she could have taken a very dark path, she takes a different turn. And from that point on is repentant and is actually putting in the work of her own quote unquote redemption. And the other thing too, Bo-Katan cannot be older than like 25 in the Siege of Mandalore. And I think a lot of people forget that is that she is literally like an older teenager or very early 20s during the Clone Wars. So it's like, yes, she was wrong, but she was also like 19. So that's kind of something to consider. But I think the parallels between her and Vader are really interesting. And I think Star Wars loves to do this thing where they'll quote unquote redeem a character and then they will immediately pass away, which happened with like Ben Solo and Darth Vader as well. But Bo-Katan is an example of a character who realizes she was wrong and then doesn't immediately die and then is redeemed. Like she actively is working to be a better person. And I think that that's just so, it's very novel. And I think a lot of people like are like, oh, I would love to see more of this in Star Wars. It's like, well, Bo-Katan is there and she's doing it. Does she have missteps? Yeah, but she's also sexy. Yeah. So it kills it out, you guys. It's true. <laughs> yeah, like not to be that person. It's like they kill people, but they're hot, so it's fine. But like, it's fine. Listen, She's if, sexy. So if if it's about a beautiful woman, it's okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> listen, that's like the case. A lot of people are like, oh, if you if she was a man, you would like you would like her more. And I'm like, that is probably the case with Bo-Katan. There's a lot of that, but I'm also like, because she is a woman, I like her more. If she was a man. I we would be throwing hands however <laughs> she is a beautiful woman so it's fine <laughs> no exactly I think that gets us to um 
when she shows up in Rebels and the Heroes of Mandalore episodes, or I guess like a two-part, which is my personal favorite appearance of hers because I think it's when we really start to see like, obviously she is very different than she was during the Clone Wars because of how much time has passed and because of all the things that have happened on Mandalore since then. And I think this is also a part of her arc that a lot of people kind of forget about because I've seen, especially recently with when she was mentioned in the book of Boba Fett, when the armorer was like the Kreese family and like Bo-Katan cursed Mandalore. And I just, I was angry, (laughs) but and people were like, oh yeah, so true. Like it's all her fault, everything that happened. And I'm like, no, it wasn't guys. The empire literally destroyed Mandalore. And like, she literally says in the Heroes of Mandalore episode, she's like, yeah, I tried to resist the Empire, but I was betrayed by, like, the Saxon clan and the Imperials, and, like, I, like, I literally couldn't fight them all because they're very powerful and they had the backing of the Empire, and this is also the arc where we find out about, more about Sabine's past and how she's built this weapon that directly targets Mandalorians through their armor, which is obviously a very significant part of their culture, not to mention she literally named it the Duchess. Um, and Bo-Katan, there's one line of hers that I wrote down because I think it's just so perfect where she says, where Sabine, um, they end up like finding the weapon, taking it from the Imperials. And Sabine originally like reprograms it to target the stormtroopers. And Bo-Katan shows up and is like, and stops her and says, it's not our way, it's their way because she doesn't want Mandalorians to become like mindless killers like the Empire. And it's so contrary to what she would have said or done in the Clone Wars versus in Rebels, because she truly has come to a point of realization. It's like the Mandalorians, yes, we are historically warriors, but we're not just like killers. Like we don't, and there's been so much conflict and fighting among different Mandalorian clans since the Siege of Mandalore. And she's finally come to a point where she's like, we, we can't keep doing this. And she really does, like, Sabine asks her multiple times to take the Darksaber before she eventually agrees because she is like, I had my chance as a ruler and I failed. And she doesn't think that she is, I guess, worthy of being the ruler of Mandalore at this point. And eventually she has to get told by several other people that, like, she is still a respected leader and, like, like she is not the reason for the downfall of Mandalore for all the bad things that have happened there and a lot of people now on like social media just in like different conversations I've had really seem to think that everything was her fault and it just wasn't like that's not even like me being a fan of her it's literally just like if you watch it like she literally says it and so I've just been like guys it it, like it literally wasn't like just just watch just watch Rebels I feel like I could end like every single conversation I have with just watch Rebels. Um, But I think that's also a really interesting thing that you've reminded me of, of it being not Bo-Katan's fault. Um, This is something that um, Julia at Julia Christine 77 has talked about a lot um, that we have talked about a lot is that one of the things about Mandalore is that it was doomed to fail from the moment we saw it in Clone Wars. There was no saving Mandalore. It was regardless of what Satine did, regardless of what Bo-Katan did, regardless of honestly, regardless of what Maul did, the Mandalorians were so fractured and the planet itself was already so war-torn. There was very little that anyone could have done to 
save it and to save it not only from the sweeping power of the empire that, you know, shows up, but also from like, like from the empire taking it over from the inside using like the, like the Saxons and that kind of stuff, but also from like someone like when Moff Gideon basically carpet bombed the entire planet, there was nothing that could have been done. And it was already set to be that way. And I think that's one of the reasons why the creases and why Bo-Katan is so interesting is because she has this like dogmatic fight in her to restore Mandalore and to bring Mandalore back. But honestly, like you can't bring Mandalore back to the way it was before because it just was not good. Like there was never a point in recent Mandalorian history, especially not what Bo-Katan would have seen that could be restored in a productive way. So it is really crazy when people are like oh if Bo-Katan hadn't done this it's like well hey like what could Bo-Katan have possibly done differently I'd love to know just like without the luxury of you know knowing what has already happened what would we have had her do differently quickly what would you what would you have done Twitter user I'd love to know Let's talk about Bo-Katan Kryze and the Mandalorian Um, because, you know, she does show up um, in, I believe it's episode three of season two of the Mandalorian. The episode title is The Heiress. It was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, who I I absolutely love when she's not doing, you know, NFTs. Um, I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyways, besides the point, I love Bo-Katan Kryze in this episode when she showed up, I was screaming and crying. Um, You know, she, (laughs) we see, I think that her being put in the Mandalorian was one of the best decisions that the show could have done just simply because Din Djarin comes from this like sub sect of Death Watch. You know, he's a, he's a child of the watch. Uh, It's a different kind of clan of Mandalorians. Um, and we even see Bo-Katan being like, oh, you're the child of the watch, ew. And I'm like, girly, were you not a part of Death Watch at one point? Like, not one of your, not one of your brightest moments, bestie, but, um, nevertheless, you know, it is, it is so in character for her to. Sorry, I've just realized it's another Anakin parallel because in the Clone Wars movie, when Anakin is like, Ahsoka, are you even old enough to be a Padawan? (laughs) When he also was a Padawan at like 10 years old. Just another, just another parallel there, guys. So sorry. Uh, oh, Anakin is Anakin and Bo-Katan being parallels is a lot. <laughs> I feel like they would listen, you can't tell me that they both wouldn't run cross-country. Like that oh. is they meet running cross-country and are both just so toxic. It is not fun to be on the team with them, but they just have that vibe. That or lacrosse. But, you know, they've got that energy. But yeah, I think that I also really love her in The Mandalorian. I think, embarrassingly enough, this is something that I have always, I've held, is that there is a level of which that I watch Star Wars that I'm like, okay, objectively, or even like from a story perspective, from a narrative perspective. But there's also a part of me that watches it as someone who watched The Clone Wars as a child and like watched every episode when it would come out. When I saw Bo-Katan show up, I was like, I don't even care what the rest of this story is going to be about. That's my best friend. And she's on television. She's on, she's in live action. The the joy of seeing a character like that, who like during the Clone Wars was a relatively minor character in the grand scheme of things. 
getting to see her and getting to see her be like, hey, I'm going to actually do something and I'm here and I'm present and I'm important to the story is just so exciting. Um, But yeah, I also think like you get to see sort of where she's at post-Empire, quote unquote, considering, you know, we know that the Empire is still kind of doing their thing in the Mandalorian, but like the fact that she is still so um, solid in her convictions and it has clearly evolved as the world has evolved. I think it's just really interesting for her. Yeah, I agree. I think like one of the cool things about her character is like you said, we get to see her at points in time, which are very different. Like she's very different ages, but also just the state of the galaxy is very different. Like we first see her in the Clone Wars when obviously there's a literal war going on. Um, And then we see her in Rebels, which is when the Empire has taken over the galaxy and specifically has taken over Mandalore. And then we see her in this like post-Empire-ish era. Um, And also it's like a, like, I think one of the reasons why it's such a good decision to have her be in the Mandalorian is because people who are just watching the Mandalorian would think like, oh yeah, Din Djarin, like that's what a Mandalorian is. They like don't take their helmets off and that's that. Um, which I thought it was really funny when like she first showed up and I know people who like only watched the Mandalorian and they were like she's not a real Mandalorian and I was like oh my god Um, (laughs) but I think it's really cool and like we're seeing this more and more like in the live action shows now it's just like what is being a Mandalorian actually is it about like following a strict set of rules and beliefs or is it just about like caring about Mandalore and like it it can kind of be a lot of different things and I think that that's like a big reason why she was brought into the show is to show that and I think that she does a really good job of like playing that role as a character and also it's just great getting to see more of her and I'm pretty sure she's going to be a major character going forward in the show too um and it's just great to see like a new side of her but also like the her like base character traits are still the same that we have known all along and like her convictions and things like although her methods have changed and although like some of her beliefs has changed she still has like these same driving forces behind her actions um and I'm really excited to see like what she does next I guess yeah I'm also excited to see like where she her character's going um something I find really interesting about like her character in the Mandalorian is this like obsession almost with like getting back the darksaber uh I think that that's really interesting especially because and when we saw her in Rebels she was like I don't want it like I don't I don't want to uh get it away from me and then she you know eventually takes it realizes that she is someone who could lead Mandalore um and find out like what that means to her and how she was she's uh going to do that I'm interested now one how she lost the dark saber to you know why why she wants it back so badly and also why she wants to um not necessarily why she wants to rule mandalore but like what is she trying to rule like they said that planet was turned to glass like obviously mandalore itself as in the actual planet is probably not a very hospitable place to start uh an entire culture back up you know entire um like system of politics and and I'm super like interested in seeing why this idea of taking back Mandalore is so not important to her we know why it's important to her she has this obligation 
as one of the surviving Mandalorians. You know, there's not many of them left. And also as somebody whose sister was, you know, a, a ruler at one point, um, and she had a hand in Satine's death, unfortunately, and she probably she feels very guilty about that. Uh, you know, so there's all these things that obviously she wants to reclaim this title of the ruler of Mandalore, but what is that to her? Because I I'm not really getting like where where this idea of like Mandalore is in her mind at the moment. It's interesting. She is kind of like the antithesis of Din Djarin. And like the reason that I think of that is she has this grand vision of Mandalore of like what it means to be a Mandalorian. And regardless of if she knows exactly like where her stance is on like, what is it to be a Mandalorian? But she does have a care for all people who consider themselves Mandalorian. And I think like her goal is to be like, come on guys, let's all get back together and let's try to like figure out where we are and to rebuild her culture. Um, Whereas Din is very like almost like he is from a covert that is in its, at its core reclusive, but it also values like family and personal connections. Whereas Bo-Katan did not have that clearly during her time in Death Watch, she was there in that group, but she clearly did not have a super vested interest in anything beyond getting back in control of Mandalore and figuring out what path they're on. Like she was not a member of that clan of Death Watch, like as a family. And she was not obviously super close with Satine. So it's it's really interesting to see this character like Din, who's like, I don't really care about what's going on there. Obviously I wanna rebuild my little covert, but I just wanna take care of my my kid and I care about family, whereas she's just not had that luxury. Luxury is a strong term, but she hasn't had that ability. But something I do think is really cool is that there are core traits of Mandalorians that both he and her present. Because when he's like, they took my kid, she's like, all right, I do still need something from you, but let's go. We gotta, we gotta step into high gear. We gotta get the got the gotta get the baby. Because Mandalorians, you know, I, I think it's interesting too, because so much of Bo-Katan's character is built on like repenting and is built on, you know, past mistakes. Because when we see her again in The Mandalorian, she has lost the Darksaber. She has lost Mandalorian. She is feeling guilty about that. Before that, her sister had died and the Empire had taken over Mandalorian. She had felt guilty about that. So it's interesting to see her, one, try to embody what it means to be a Mandalorian and figure out what she thinks being a Mandalorian is, while simultaneously trying to get over what she has done and figure out who she is as a person and what she can do to better herself. It's just a really like interesting combination. Yeah. Another thing that I think is really interesting is that one of her like core beliefs is sort of like Mandalorians should look out for each other and stick together and like protect their own, which we see because literally her first appearance in the Mandalorian she comes in and saves Din and Grogu and then saves them again like five minutes later and she like she calls him brother like she really does believe that like Mandalorians are stronger together and she says that multiple times which is just interesting coming from the perspective of like us as viewers we know that Mandalore has a reputation 
for the fact that Mandalorians are always fighting each other and that we've seen that numerous times it's part of the reason why Mandalore could never fully like come back from anything that the Empire whoever Maul did to them is because they couldn't band together there's always groups within them that are fighting each other but for Bo who also has seen that experienced that especially because she was the leader for a period of time she still fully believes that Mandalorians are stronger together and I think it's like really interesting that she's able to hold on to that despite everything that she's seen on her planet and despite the fact that like like as a leader she was betrayed by um the Saxon clan and like so many things like that throughout history but she still is like no we like we have to protect our own and we have to come together and it's partially because of everything that she's seen that she knows like the only way that Mandalore will ever be able to be like saved I guess is if they stop fighting each other and I think that ultimately that's one of the main things that she would want to accomplish if she gets the chance to rule again. Yeah, and I think now I'm thinking back to one scene, um, one scene that I am like, I feel kind of, my opinion of the scene changes depending on the day, um, but it is the scene when Boba and Din show up and are like, hey girlies, uh, to Bo and Casca, and are like, can you please come and help us save Grogu? Um, and she says some very uncool things about to Boba, of which I it's interesting after book of boba fett i'm like okay you said some very offensive things i get why you were like oh you're not really a mandalorian because it doesn't seem like boba super considers himself to be a mandalorian um so that i'm like it's not great and then she's like oh he's your donor i'm like that i live in revisionist history i simply don't (laughs) she because she she's not to be like she's friends with clones some of her best friends are clones but I digress. That was just, I pretend that that part of that scene didn't happen. But the part where she is like, if we had put, if we had fought like this when Casca and Boba are fighting, and she's like, if we had fought like this, we would not have lost Mandalore. Maybe then, which I think is a really interesting thing because, you know, when Mandalore was lost, like Boba certainly was not there and Casca was she may have been there for certain parts but like she is not super old so she would have been pretty young but I think it's really interesting because it shows that she's saying like listen despite how you behave for Casca who clearly has a more like you know traditional sense of what a Mandalorian is because she's siding with Bo-Katan so you can imply that like you can sort of deduce that they feel similarly versus Boba who it's like well is he even a Mandalorian she's like it doesn't matter we are fighting between each other and we need to unite which could be really cool to see and like the way she talks to Din as though he is still a Mandalorian she clearly respects him despite the fact that his opinions on what it means to be Mandalorian are so different from hers it's really cool to see once again she is still so focused on being like no we need to not fight we are all Mandalorians at heart and even if we don't all feel the same way about what it means to be a Mandalorian or if we don't even qualify each other as Mandalorians under our understanding doesn't matter. We just need to, we just need to get to the core of it. And I think that's going to be a really interesting part. I assume the next season of The Mandalorian is going to talk about, because with Din having the Darksaber, I can assume some of the politics of Mandalore will be important, but it'll be cool to see like Bo-Katan 
I, my, my dream is that Bo-Katan is like, okay, I don't need to be the ruler. You can be the figurehead. I don't care. I'll be like the prime minister. I'll just do everything. You can just stand there and look handsome. So I think I'm just really excited to see her put a definition on that. Like, what does it mean to be a Mandalorian? And if someone does not fulfill what one person thinks to be a Mandalorian, like, do they still get to be in this like new Mandalore that they are building? The new, new Mandalorians. I see a lot of people now being like, oh, I think Bo-Katan is going to be like the antagonist of Mandalorian season three. And I feel like people have this idea that she's going to just like walk up to Din and like try to kill him and take the Darksaber from him. And I'm like, what part of anything she's ever done makes you think that she would do that? Like, I... I genuinely don't get it. And like, I think that there are a lot of ways she could play into the next season of The Mandalorian. I'm not sure exactly which one they're going to go for, but I really, I really hope, I would be very upset if that's the direction they go where it's like, she only cares about having the Darksaber and power because she like, she wants to rule and she has wanted that for a very large portion of her life. But it's not because she wants power per se. It's because she's like, I care about my people and I think I have ideas that could help us in the future. And like, she really is just so dedicated to Mandalore and like saving Mandalore as a place and as a people. Um, But it's really not like a situation where she's like, oh, well, I like only I can be the ruler. Like we even like from very early on when she was part of Death Watch, we saw that like she never was like, oh, I'm going to challenge Pre Vizsla for the Darksaber because I want to be in charge. She's like, no, I just want someone to be in charge who agrees with what I believe in. And so right now, Din is kind of just like, I don't really care. I just want to like hang out with my kid. Um, but I feel like if he does end up being the eventual ruler, she would not try to take that from him. She would just want to make sure that like he's going to do what's best for their people and like put like the care and attention into it that she would if she were in charge which is where I think the conflict a conflict between the two of them could arise is the fact that she's like you literally have the dark saber and like could rule our people why why don't you care why are you just like hanging out like you need to be doing something but I don't think it's going to be from a place of where she's like only I can be the ruler and like I need to be in charge like I, I don't think it, that has ever been what her character was. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think something too about Din is that he is learning now what it means for him to be a Mandalorian because clearly he is his conventional belief is not going to cut it anymore. I think it would be really interesting for Bo-Katan to take on almost like a teacher role. Um, and I think this is something that happens a lot in media. So they would have to do it a certain way. But there's a lot of the times where a woman who is much more qualified will a man who has somehow ended up in a position will have to learn from a woman who is so much more qualified to do what he is trying to do. Like, I, I feel like that is that is probably something that might happen in this show. But I'm really, I would like to see her sort of be like, hey, Din, here's what happened on Mandalore. Like, here was who my sister was. Here is what some of the history of Mandalore was. And here are all of the different types of people who were Mandalorians and maybe go through like some fun characters that we already know. Like this could be a time where Fen Rao could show up or maybe we could learn a little bit about like Axe Woves and like Cosca Reeves if I know she's not going to be in the next season, but that kind of stuff. Like 
here's all my besties and here's where they are from. Or like even talk about like Ulrich and um, Ursa Wren and like, what's the situation here? And just explain to Din all of the different politics that have gone on within Mandalore. And then this could also be a really cool opportunity to bring in what happened to Satine to audiences who didn't watch me, didn't maybe didn't watch the Clone Wars and say, here's what happened to Satine, TLDR, I made a mistake. And we can then see how she feels about what happened to her sister now after everything. Because there is a chance that she's like, still thinking like, I'm the reason that Satine is dead because I didn't do anything. I didn't stop it, Satine's dead. Or she could have more of a, and I think that that's like, that's what we have seen from her is that she clearly has a belief that she played a really big part in it, which she did. But I think the idea of seeing that evolve from being like someone in your early twenties to someone who is like, you know, pushing, pushing 50 being like, here's, there's a lot of differences in the way that you process stuff. And as time goes by the idea of her either still blaming herself for what happened to Satine or being like, I was manipulated or I was whatever, I was wrong. It would just be a really interesting, I think, story beat to just see her have a, a moment where she's like, here's what happened with Satine and here's how you can make it so that doesn't happen again. I would love for Satine to be mentioned and talked about um, in uh, The Mandalorian, especially through Bo-Katan. Um, this doesn't have a lot to do with Bo-Katan. <laughs> However, I do think um, that we might be getting um, a Satine mention in the Kenobi series. Um, and I feel like with the exception of a few episodes of the Clone Wars, a lot of what we got of Satine's character was through Obi-Wan. Um, and I would like to see a lot of her through Bo-Katan's eyes, through someone who is family, through another woman, you know, like I would really appreciate that kind of like lens going into uh, the more nuances of Satine's character. And I think Bogutan is the perfect person to explore that, not only because they are literally sisters, um, but also because, you know, they have such different views on being Mandalorian. And I think that because Bogutan is kind of maybe even subconsciously taking on a lot of like Satine's like leadership qualities and ideals, um, like throughout the rest of her arc after Satine dies, I think that that is something that could definitely be explored more. Um, and almost like ease a lot of the jumps, the time jumps that we have in between seeing Bo-Katan because there are years and years that we just don't know what she was up to. Um, and I think that that is something that should be explored. Not that every character you need to know every single thing about them, but I think Bo-Katan could use a little bit more, uh, nuance in her stories and a little bit more screen time or even page time, uh, whatever. I think that, um, that would also put, uh, you know, some of the criticisms about her character within the fandom to rest. Um, if we got some of her, perspective on what was happening uh, with Satine and her rule and how she that affected the rest of her life and how it's going to affect the rest of how Mandalore succeeds in the future. I would Okay, I would love a book about Bo-Katan between where we see her in Rebels to where we see her in The Mandalorian written by E.K. Johnston. 
Oh, so true. Oh, is that? That, <laughs> about that would be my joker. <laughs> no, I just, I just had that. And I'm like, oh my God, like that would, that is my Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Uh, I want to see, I see, this is the thing. I think that Satine and Bo-Katan's relationship could use so much more content. And I want to see it because I, one, we don't get a lot of sisters in Star Wars. We really don't. And I really want some. Um, So I would love for that, you know, to be laid out. E.K. Johnson, I hope you're still writing for Star Wars. <laughs> please. Yeah. E.K. Johnson, please DM me. I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> Hey, at 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 um at Del Rey, I have I have concepts. Something that I think is funny that you made me think of is I'm imagining like an alternate universe in which we get more Bo-Katan and Satine. The idea of Bo-Katan and Satine being just like a little bit closer, because also they have this huge age difference. Like yeah. there's this monumental difference in the way they were raised and the situations with which they came to like become people that's I think that is a huge part of their characterization that I would really really like to see just because it's like how do you have two people who came from the same place end up so so different um and I think that stuff like that happens a lot in real life I'd be really interested to see how it happens on you know in the context of Star Wars I also do this is not related I think that had had the universe been different Bo-Katan and Obi-Wan would have been besties I think that they are both the same level of like bitchiness. Like they mm-hmm. both have that. And I think that they would be on the same wavelength if they got the opportunity. That's, they would have been too powerful. They had That's to make they them- didn't put it in. They had to have, give them a tumultuous relationship at best because if they were besties, they would have been, they would have stopped Maul. They would have stopped Palpatine. Like they there would have. no Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> they would, they would have like every Star Wars villain Nothing. Martian Rowe, no, you're done. They <laughs> would travel through the world between worlds to go defeat Martian Rowe. They travel through the world between worlds to kill the levelers. <laughs> oh my god, this is how Stellan Geos lives. This is how yes, <laughs> this is we... how <laughs> decanonizing the ending of the fallen star. That's, oh my god, we cracked it. <laughs> yeah, good. Honestly, I'm so happy that we I'm so happy that we've come to this realization. I'm gonna get Kathleen Kennedy on the phone real quick and then maybe we can work something out because I think that this is what the people want. Not this is not us decanonizing the sequels. We're decanonizing the prequels, the sequels, and the original trilogy and everything that has happened between <laughs> between the end of the fallen star and anything after that, gone. I do love the idea of like a Kree siblings book if for nothing other than they, it would force them to address the fact that they have a nephew but no third sibling that we've ever heard of yeah Star Wars <laughs> what's up what's up with that I would just like to or know they just showed up one day and they were like <laughs> mm, nephew okay what also gets me okay I'm so sorry not to talk about Corky in the Bo-Katan episode <laughs> I like the idea because we know how Bo-Katan is like, I'm the last member of my bloodline. She knows yep. Corky. What if she's just like, she, she just meets Corky and she's like, you look just like, I can't, we can't unpack this. I'm just going to pretend I didn't see you after today. And that's what she did because she just did not have the power to <laughs> truly process what he meant. <laughs> I do love the idea of Corky showing up in the Mandalorian and he's played by like 
some either Ewan McGregor or someone who looks <laughs> identical to him, and Bo-Katan is like, okay, okay what's this? McGregor playing like an older Corgi. No, Ewan <laughs> McGregor with the same like face technology they used to make Luke in the Mandalorian. <laughs> it's just like it's like um episode episode one, Phantom Menace, Ewan McGregor <laughs> playing Corky Crease. Just I like the idea of Din going through like they're somehow they get back like they're going through like Mandalorian history or whatever, and he's like, "Hey, Bo-Katan, who's this little guy?" And she's like, "Oh, I just try not to think about him because he gives me a headache. I don't know what to do with that. I don't know where to put my emotions on the ma- on the boy." I still think about to this day Dave's joke, where they were. I don't remember who it was. Someone from Story Group was like. Oh yeah, Dave Filoni had this joke about who Corky's father, like parents were, but we don't, it was just a joke. It's just silly. Cause I know for a fact, Dave was like, he, he, Dave Filoni told me himself that this is what happened, but D- I know Dave was like, I think Obi-Wan should be Corky's dad. And everyone was like, no, I just like the idea that now Lucasfilms is like, okay, let's just pretend he doesn't exist. Someone's holding Corky hostage. <laughs> but they're like, Bo-Katan, you got to go do something. Like she's like, yep. I'm the last of my line wink yeah they're like holding her at gunpoint they're like say you're the last of your line and she's like i'm not i have a nephew and they're like no you don't bryce dallas howard with a glock behind the camera (laughs) say you're the last of your line and she's like fine (laughs) no i just bo-katan with a fam bo-katan like getting to experience the joys of having a family like be it found family found family i would love a found family for her However, I would also really like to see her explore, like, what does it mean to be family by blood? Because there's a lot of that in Star Wars. It's like, what is the definition of a family? And I think it would just be really cool to see her have that, like, here are people that she cares about that she knows who she is not bound to by blood. But here's someone that she is bound to by blood. Does that change her relationship with them? And does blood change how Mandalorians, in Bo-Katan's mind, view family? Yeah, I think I think there's that like there's that one line in like that quirky or not quirky, uh, that Satine. Gosh, that was <laughs> anyways. Quirky was there. I promise. I promise. My brain is is in the right place. Um, Satine says to Bo-Katan, like there was a time that we were not enemies. I would actually like to see that because I don't know. I don't know. Was there? Um, I would because there is such a huge age like difference between them. Um. What was that like for Bo-Katan growing up? Like logistically, right? Satine would have already had to like start her life in politics by the time Bo-Katan was old enough to join Death Watch. Here's the other thing. I've done a lot of thinking about this in case you couldn't tell. Corky and Bo-Katan are only like three to five years apart age-wise. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more, but not a lot more. Like I'm just... This is also a question of like, if Corky is around or not, like what his sitch is and where he grew up and who he grew up with. But in this situation in which, you know, um, Bo-Katan and Satine grew up like together until Bo joined Death Watch, the idea of her being like, this is my sister. And then also Corky's like, I'm a baby and I'm here. And like, suddenly there's this other person there and Satine's like, okay, well, because canonically, 
I don't, I can't remember what reference material it is, but there's a couple of different pieces of reference material that allude to the fact that Satine is grooming Corky to be the next leader of Mandalore. But the idea of Bo-Katan being like, well, I'm your little sister and I'm also in that line. And then suddenly being sidestepped for like this little guy that she doesn't know and seeing Satine raise this kid to be like, oh, we're peaceful and we are not, I'm not going to teach you to be a warrior because that's not what I'm trying to do. And Bo-Katan being like, well, I've trained my whole life to be a warrior. That's all I know. And suddenly you're going to say that's not important and you're going to train him. And I think that seeing something like that in her radicalization would be really, really cool. And like, I just want to see how she got so radicalized to the point where she was like, "Mm, maybe we should um, depose my sister. That's the thing is that they are sisters. So they like likely grew up in similar environments and they're so different. And I'm just like, how, like, how did they get to be so different growing up together? Like, obviously there's an age difference. So they weren't like young at the same time. They weren't like growing up necessarily at the same time, but they still were like raised in similar environments, like presumably. So I would really like to see sort of like how, what led to Bo-Katan being so like invested in the like warrior, ancient warrior ways of Mandalorians to the point where she joined Death Watch and like actively opposed her sister's rule. Like I want to know how she got there. Bo-Katan comic series would be my joker. Who, who writes girl bosses really well? What if, <laughs> this is so crazy. Um, actually, Bo-Katan comic series written by Kevin Scott. I was about to say that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would trust Kevin Scott with Bo-Katan. And yeah. I wouldn't trust many people with Bo-Katan because I care about her. I need to stop coming up with, like, hypothetical, like, book and comic, Star Wars book and comic ideas. Because then I'm like, okay, but this will never happen. And now I, like, yeah. need it. <laughs> Uh, that is that is what I need. I need the I'm creating this Bo-Katan cinematic universe <laughs> that I'm like, I need to stop because I'm just going to I'm I'm in like two weeks from now. I'm going to be having a conversation with someone. I'm going to be like, yeah, did you hear about that? Like Bo-Katan comic series written by Kevin Scott. I'm so excited for that. It's, that does not exist. I'll be like, oh, oh yeah, damn it. <laughs> I want to see her so bad in everything. Like, I want her to be the new, like, how um, everyone's like, oh, Dave Filoni puts Ahsoka in everything. He also puts Bo-Katan in everything. So write that down. <laughs> like, I need to see, when's she going to be in the Bad Batch? That's my question. When's she going to be in, like, every other piece of, like, live, um, not necessarily live action, but, like, um, visual media? Bo-Katan's, yeah. like, a character where I'm, like, name any piece of Star Wars media and I will find a way for her to be in it like I will write it personally High Republic win (laughs) I will make it happen of all of the Jedi in the High Republic for some reason my mind is telling me that a very fun team up would be her and Emric Kaftor no yeah you're right I don't know why something about them I just feel like they would be besties they're like he's accumulating gingers oh yeah this is how Bo-Katan defeats the leveler. Okay, but okay. And now we just need I'm, to get Obi-Wan and we're going <laughs> to all come back to this. Because Emmerich is an investigator. So like he's an, part of an investigation in which they discover the world between worlds. And this is how Bo-Katan shows up in the High Republic. Oh my God. This is, oh my God. This is how we get, um, <laughs> we get Emmerich Kaftor in the sequels. 
I know that the sequels are already out, but you know how you remastered the original trilogy in the early 2000s and put in like CGI Jabba? Maybe, could you maybe do that with Bo-Katan in the sequels? Just like have her standing there in the background, like with a walker. Now I want to like go find like <laughs> shots of the sequels and just like Photoshop Bo-Katan in the background of them. Yeah, be like, oh my gosh, Easter egg you guys missed, like a big clickbait article <laughs> with like, and a picture on top is Bo-Katan photoshopped. Oh my God. It's like first, first lesbian in Star Wars. And it's the scene from Rise of Skywalker where the two women kiss, but it's just a picture of Bo-Katan <laughs> instead. I can be like a promo image for this episode. Star Wars TikTok into thinking that Bo-Katan was actually in the sequels. You guys know, like she was there. She yeah. Was really there. You guys just don't pay attention. That's like, the problem. No, it's it's kind of disheartening to see how the fandom menace will go out of its way to like not see women because Bo-Katan was there. But it's like it's in it's on the screen. You have to at least like acknowledge that she is on the screen right there. Yeah, like it's canon. They're not going to decanonize it. Sorry. No, because it's disrespectful when people talk about her. And they're like, uh, all she cares about is herself. All she cares about is having the dark saber. And obviously she cares about, you know, the resistance enough to be there, you know, at their final battle. I just, you know, I don't get it, but you know. We also have a few questions. This one is from at Skywalker Ziara on Twitter. And it says, do you think Bo should have another chance to rule Mandalore? Do you think she is worthy of it? And more importantly, do you think she thinks she is worthy of it? I feel like the big thing is more about, does she think she is worthy of it? Cause I think the question, I think being like being worthy of ruling is always such an interesting concept to me because it means so many different things. And I think it means something so different to Mandalorians. I feel like Bo-Katan is trying to figure out if she's worthy of ruling. And I think in the Mandalorian, she's like, okay, I need to get the Darksaber so I know where it is and so I'm in control of it. But that is still so far from being like the leader proper. Yeah, I agree. I think it's more, she's like, I like, have messed up and like when the last time I ruled Mandalore it ended poorly um whoever like people want to blame that on is a whole different discussion but um so I think she's like I want to sort of like make up for that and like unite our people and do sort of like what I set out to do in the beginning but I don't think she fully is at a point where she's like yeah I'm ready to rule and like I can rule and I'm the best person blah 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 but I think she does know that like if she can get her hands on the Darksaber and get herself into a position of power and respect among Mandalorians, she can sort of start to lead them down that road of like coming together and reclaiming their planet. Um, And through doing that is how she'll finally feel like worthy of leading. It's it's just weird. Like it's hard to consider like what is worthy because again, it's so different. And especially in a show like The Mandalorian, which is so dedicated when it talks about other Mandalorians, like, what does it mean? It's just interesting. I think it's going to be a lot of her being like, I don't know, but I think I'm probably going to be better at it than Din Djarin because he's just some guy. If she says, I I hope that Bo-Katan starts the next season by being like, he's just some guy. I don't know why what the hype is. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Speaking of Mandalorian season three, I know we already talked about it, but I don't, I, I wouldn't actually mind if, Bo-Katan was like the antagonist of the series or of the season um I know everyone's like "Mm, you know she's gonna be the bad guy I don't care let her I just think in the words of Justina Ireland my beloved 
um, let women be villains, like let them be bad. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, a care, a good character arc is one that has ups and downs. Um, and Bo-Katan is full of them. She has had many ups and many downs. Uh, and I don't think, I don't see why that should have to end now. Um, you know, and she, uh, perpetual redeeming and then like maybe not being the best is a part of being a human being living through multiple wars in your life like I feel like that would be very in character for her um and I would like to see that kind of dynamic play out um also like point of view wise a lot of the point of view of the Mandalorian is in Din Djarin's eyes uh and if anything you know if she tries to get in the way, or I don't think she'd be trying, but you know, if she gets in the way of Din and his relationship with Grogu in any capacity, he's going to see her as the enemy. And then other question is from Emily at underscore Stardust M on Twitter. And it says, what is the biggest thing you think people misunderstand or miss about her character? And I think we kind of already touched on this, But for me, one thing that I see a lot of when people are trying to, like, justify why they don't like her is people being like, oh, she's, like, stuck up or she thinks she's better than everyone. No, she, like, actively admits to her flaws. Like, especially in Rebels, there are so many times where she's like, I had my chance to rule and I failed or, like, I let down our people or I'm not my sister. Like, so many times when she fully, like, openly admits that she has messed up and that is the exact opposite of thinking that you're better than everyone or thinking that like you're the only person who's qualified to lead and so I just think that like when people say that she's stuck up I'm like no she has strong convictions and those haven't always those haven't always like she hasn't always done great things with those but she has always like stood up for what she believes in um and to some people that comes off as like thinking she's better than everyone but it's never been about that Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think it's, again, there's so many times where she is like, I am remorseful because I realized what I did was wrong. And people are like, oh, she just wants to be in charge. It's like, well, sounds like we got a fake fan. Hey, any final thoughts? I just think- Tan Creed was hot Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That's it. Exactly. She's, She's hot and sexy and never done anything wrong but that is only if you hate her if you hate her she then you are wrong and she's never done anything wrong if you love her we can discuss and have a nuanced conversation but if you don't already love her you're you're a misogynist (laughs) (laughs) she's never done anything wrong except for when she does wrong things yeah but other than that she's never done anything wrong (laughs) (laughs) thanks so much and if you guys would like to find more i'm at ollie fresh on twitter i said at the beginning um Rupe helps pod race is where you can find me we have a lot of fun there we are not nearly as well spoken <laughs> and we <laughs> definitely don't cite our sources but yeah um thanks so much for having me thank you so much for listening to fulcrum transmissions please feel free to send us questions you can dm them to us on twitter instagram or tiktok if you enjoy our podcast please leave us a rating on apple podcasts and spotify we'd really appreciate it Reminder to go check out Ollie's podcast at Rue Palps Pod Race, one of our favorites. It's a lot of fun, so go check it out and listen if you haven't already. Next week's Girl Boss of the Week is Trilla Siduri, so feel free to send us any questions you have about her. 
once again, thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this episode.